What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of Friday, September 16th, 2022. And tonight, unfortunately, we're talking about a Cardinals loss to the Cincinnati Reds 3-2 at Bush Stadium on Thursday night, and the Cardinals just could not come up with that big hit. They had their opportunities, especially late in this game. I really thought we were about to witness something special, a potential walk-off. It could have been Paul Goldschmidt getting the job done. It could have been Nolan Arenado getting the job done. Hey, maybe even Albert Pujols, who did contribute in that ninth inning, but not quite enough to get it over the hump. And then Corey Dickerson, I thought, what better way for uh, the Cardinals, sometimes embattled outfielder, but more recently has been turning himself into a fan favorite with the way that he has handled the bat. Maybe not so much defensively. I said fan favorite. I knew immediately if Van Hickelstein from Twitter is going to listen to this episode, he was going to half my ass for that comment. But no, it wasn't meant to be tonight for Corey Dickerson either, nor was it for the Cardinals, who offensively should maybe be ashamed a little bit of the way they performed. Three hits on the entire night for the Cardinals, and yet they still found a way to potentially rally there in the ninth inning. Just couldn't get it home. We'll talk about the offense and how maybe we have some cause for concern still moving forward. I saw at least one good swing from Paul Goldschmidt, though, the potential MVP for the National League. So that made me happy considering looking at Goldschmidt in the season that he's had, it would just not be right for him to finish any other way than the MVP of the National League. But we'll talk about the offense as a whole and how it was sort of a quiet night at the yard for the Cardinals lineup as Chase Anderson, the red starter for tonight, got the job done against them. We'll also talk about the Cardinals pitching side of things as Miles Michaelis got the start for St. Louis. He was fine, but again, he was done in by an element of his game that uh, seems to have been part of his game for quite a while now, and, and it's something that got him tonight, which was the home run ball. So we'll talk about that and get into anything else that we have. Potentially not a super long episode tonight because... There wasn't a lot to get to from this Cardinals game, but we'll update you on the state of the division. We talked so deeply last night about the fact that, boy, it felt like the Cardinals were in a position where things could have gotten a little bit dicey there with the Milwaukee Brewers in town and able to, had they won the Corbin Burns game, able to get inside of that six-game threshold against the St. Louis Cardinals. Fortunately for the Birds, that did not happen. We'll update you on the division standings with the Brewers idle tonight. There wasn't a whole lot of movement other than the Cardinals' loss, but take a look at that. Anything else that seems relevant before we hop on out of here? Quick episode on Thursday night. But I appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me. Let me just remind you real quick, before we jump into the content of the show, that if you'd subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I appreciate you guys more than you know. And then if you take that next step, I know the number of reviews We're a fledgling show, as they say, so we're building it slowly to the extent that I know the number of reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I know when I get a new one. So when I see that number go up, it really does brighten my day. So it's not that hard. Head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify as well, if that's where you listen to the show. Give a quick five-star review. You don't have to write anything. Just pop it on there. Up our numbers for the show. Make me feel good, and we'll be on our merry way. Thank you guys so much for joining Quick reminder about the Patreon, patreon.com slash bshafer12. You can join on a monthly basis. Subscribe as a patron if you'd like to do so. 
I'm excited to put some more football content on there as we go, but baseball content is going to pop up there from time to time as well. And the offseason will be a particular time where I can kind of dive in on on things on the Patreon, sort of be skeptical about what the Cardinals could do in the offseason. What would they do in free agency? Will they make trades? That's going to be kind of a stream of consciousness area where if you guys have questions, I'd love to pour it on there. And if you're already a patron, shoot me a direct message, whether on the Patreon app or even on Twitter, and say, here's something I'd love for you to cover on Patreon just to kind of give us a glimpse into your mindset. Those are the kinds of things I'd love to be doing over there. But the support means a whole lot when you guys give it to me, so thank you so much. But let's jump into the content of the show right here as the Cardinals lose tonight to the Reds 3-2. to two. And this was just kind of a kind of a haphazardly outing for the offense. Three hits in a game against the Reds is not really the way you want to be going down, especially after a game like last night where it's not like they were overwhelmingly successful offensively, but you face Corbin Burns. I didn't think that Wednesday night was going to be a hit parade by any means. The fact that you came up with four runs, that you got contributions from several places in the lineup, Nolan Arenado hit number 29, Lars Newpar had a home run in his own right, and you got Paul Goldsman on base a few times to give me at least an idea that he was turning the corner. Albert Pujols comes up with an RBI base hit, as did Yadier Molina. So that was enough. Like, 4-1, to one, that was the final on Wednesday. The Cardinals needed to do, though, more offensively against Chase Anderson and the Reds tonight. I mean, this is a guy that, after tonight's game, including his five innings, one run allowed, has a 6.43 ERA on the season, just 14 innings in total. Is not a guy that has been good, not a guy that has pitched much, and the Cardinals just kind of let him walk all over him. I mean, you look at your numbers for Chase Anderson in the last couple of years. 2020, he was in Toronto. He's a veteran. He's been around a while. But this is not a guy that should stymie a lineup that's capable like the Cardinals. 7.22 ERA in 2020. Last year with Philly, 6.75 ERA. This year, 6.43 ERA. You're, you're catching the trend here, but tonight he did everything that he could have hoped to do against this Cardinals lineup, allowing just one hit in five innings. And it wasn't until you got into the ninth inning there that the Cardinals came alive a little bit against Alexis Diaz, the reliever. He served as the closer tonight for the Cincinnati Reds. He's got seven saves on the season. Actually has some pretty good numbers. But Gibbo. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Gibbo, uh, Ian Gibbo, and Buck Farmer, which that is not a name you want to spoonerize, Buck Farmer. Don't reverse the first initial of those two names or you'll have an FCC violation on your hands. But the Cardinals just did not get anything going offensively. They get into that ninth inning, and you had the sacrifice fly from Albert Pujols. I thought he was going to walk it off with a grand slam. Maybe I am just a little bit too in the moment, but I was like, that would just be a perfect way to come up with number 698 if you're Albert. Hits one to right field. It does score the run, and then you get the situation thereafter to say, hey, game's still in play. Can Corey Dickerson come through? The answer was no. Soft ground out to end things, but it's just a disappointing night overall for the Cardinals. I don't want to get too in my feels about it, though. Like, I don't think that this is a big deal. Miles Michaelis had a quality start, six innings, three hits allowed. A little bit concerned that we haven't seen that dominant version of Miles Michaelis recently. And you don't really need to at this point until you get to the playoffs because, again, 
even now it's seven and a half games ahead of the Brewers because they did not play tonight, and they get the Yankees this weekend, so that's no fun for them. But even at that point, I just feel like we haven't gotten a ton of dominant outings from Miles Michaels. You did have the Cubs game a couple of weeks ago, eight innings, two hits, no runs. But outside of that, it's really been back until the middle of August that we've seen Michaels at his best. And the recent outings, six innings, five runs, four innings, four runs, five innings, four runs. And then tonight, quality start, so a step in the right direction. But it's just been that one outing that you felt really good about against a pretty weak Cubs lineup when they won 2 nothing on September 4th to feel great about with Miles Michaelis. Granted, a lot of the games that he has pitched since that August 19th have all been on the road. He went on the road Arizona, on the road Cubs, on the road Cincinnati, pitched at home, and then on the road at Pittsburgh when he struggled in his last time out. Tonight was at home. He's been so much better at home this season. It's why, for me, he's locked into that number two spot in the Cardinals rotation when you get to October. Because for me, he's an obvious candidate to have a pretty good start, and then you save him until the NLDS when you get to pitch him again at home. I don't need to see Miles Michaelis on the road. I feel like the returns on that since really the All-Star break have not been all too favorable. Starting at July 24th, five innings, six runs. He had one good start in Washington, seven innings, two runs allowed. And then the Colorado outing where he wore the cowboy hat after the fact and said, you got to get right back on that pony. Yeah, that was two innings, two and two-third, 10 runs, 14 hits. He got smacked around in that game. At Arizona was good, eight innings, one run. But then I mentioned the six and two-thirds, five, four and a third, four. And then the most recent road outing, five innings, eight hits, four runs. So it's been night and day pretty much for Miles Michaelis, home and road. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves to talk about the postseason rotation already. But for me, it's Michaelis. He's got to pitch at home. That's the best case you're going to get for him. Tonight, he was okay. Gives up the six runs. Or pardon me. Through the six innings, gave up the three runs. That's at least a quality start. In most cases... With this Cardinals lineup, that should be enough to keep you in the game. But the Cardinals only come up with the two runs tonight and end up making a hard luck loser out of Miles Michaelis. Gave up five hits, the three walks you don't want to see. But really the bugaboo for him was the home runs. He gives up a couple of home runs tonight. And that's sort of been an element of his game that I think when you get into the playoffs, maybe you're a little bit more concerned about it. But he's consistently sort of had that be something he deals with. You look at... I mean, all season, it seems like he usually gives up that sh- that solo shot. But I'm looking through his numbers. I'll go back to May 23rd. May 23rd, he goes, I'm just going to read you the home run totals from his outings. Home run, two home runs, one, one, zero, one, zero, one, two, one, 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 zero, one, 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 zero, one, three, zero, one, and then two tonight. So since mid-May, basically, he's given up a home run in all but five of his starts. And, I mean, that's fine. It's usually not a very harmful one. He's had the capacity to kind of give up that solo bomb and then settle it back in. But just something that I think is interesting, at least noteworthy, in terms of you get into a playoff series and you don't necessarily want to be giving up that one or two bad pitches per game that 
is going to potentially cost your team, especially when as a lineup you're not operating at full capacity. That's something to maybe keep a little bit in mind in terms of the Cardinals trying to maintain those leads in an NLDS or something like that. Miles Michaelis, you want to kind of clean that up a little bit. 24 home runs now that he's given up on the season puts him in a tie for sixth most in the National League. John Gray of Washington has, or pardon me, that's not John Gray because he's not on Washington. That's got to be Josiah Gray, young pitcher for the Nationals, has given up a whopping 36. Is that right? The 24 that Michaels has given up ties him for sixth in the National League in terms of the most allowed. Just something to kind of get in check maybe, but it seems like it's just part of his game. He has one or two pitches that just aren't where he wants them per game and ends up allowing a lot of home runs. But by and large, he's been solid. I think he's going to be fine when you get into the playoffs, but tonight, six and three is what you got from him. So that's where you have to say, all right, offense, you got to give me more. Paul Goldschmidt thought he was giving the Cardinals a little bit more early in this game, but it turns out there was going to be a play at the plate that depleted his RBI opportunities compared to what we thought would happen. Third inning, Cardinals trailing 2-0. It was good to see Goldie put this swing on the ball. He rifled one past the diving third baseman into the left field corner, scores one run, Lars Nupar, and then Brennan Donovan tries to score and gets cut down at the plate. A pretty good relay from TJ Friedel, who started that thing out in left field. He had a good night as well, making some good defensive plays for the Reds that cut down on the Cardinals' opportunities to score. I thought for sure watching that play, Goldsmith was going to end up with a second RBI, and then maybe the course of the game goes differently. You tie that game 2-2 in the third, you might be feeling pretty good about things, but as it turns out, only the one run crosses, it's Newt, and then BFD gets gunned down at the plate. Cardinals don't find another way to score a run until that ninth inning rally. It was the sacrifice fly by Albert Pujols. That's just tough. You had the middle of the lineup. You had the guys that you know can come up, come into a situation, and make a uh, make something happen. And none of them able to do so in a significant way. Albert, again, getting the sacrifice. Like, Arenado dropped one in. I had said, I was at uh, the bowling alley watching this game during my league night. And I said, Arenado is going to pop up and Albert's going to walk it off. I was right about one thing. Arenado did pop up. They just didn't catch the ball. Shallow center field, Bermuda Triangle, you take it, you take the hits any way you can get them. That's basically what I said about Goldie on Wednesday night when he went two for three, had the walk. He's trying to find his way back into that that good zone where he had just been residing for so long. And so when he goes and gets on base three times last night, he has the RBI double tonight. You feel good about things. He reached base twice ultimately. I was looking for that from Nolan a little bit, but uh, after that base hit, Cardinals weren't able to get enough done in the ninth inning. Corey Dickerson, you know, it's just one of those nights for him. Uh, pinch hit opportunity, game on the line, doesn't come up with it, but 294 average, 761 OPS. He's still having a fine season. And, I mean, if you you kind of throw out the beginning of the year, his numbers are still really good. But up and down the lineup, the Cardinals were not getting it done tonight. Donovan reached base a couple of times tonight, had the hit-by-pitch where he was unable to score on the Goldie double, but then he did get a base hit in the ninth inning, scored on the Albert Pujols' sacrifice fly. He comes up with one of the Cardinals' three hits tonight. 
the other hits, all guys from near the top of the batting order. Paul Goldschmidt, we mentioned his and Arenado in the ninth inning with the blooper. That was it from the Cardinals tonight. They reached base via walk a few times. Newt Barr got on with a walk. Goldie and Tommy Edmond, who's still up near the top of the lineup, was in the two spot tonight. They get on that way. Otherwise, just not a lot to write home about for the Cardinals. So runners in scoring position, sure, two for five. They were okay from a, from an average standpoint, but they weren't able to, to really cash in because they weren't able to get guys into scoring position very often in this game tonight. From a pitching standpoint, we mentioned Michaelis. Again, the six innings, three runs allowed. You'd like to buckle down on the home runs, maybe fewer walks, but quality start. Palante inning in third, no runs. Woodford inning in two-thirds, no runs. The table was set for the Cardinals offense to make some magic tonight. They just didn't figure out a way to do it. So that's where you stand now. You lose the game. The Brewers were idle. You're seven and a half up. It's not the end of the world. But it does feel like maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity after the magic that happened on Wednesday night. If you're like, this podcast sucks, like the Cardinals lost, there's not anything good to talk about, scroll back and just listen to last night's episode again because it was a lot of fun at Bush Stadium with Yachty and Wayno making start number 325 together. They find a way to win. They won the Corbin Burns game. Like There was a lot to enjoy about that. Cardinals just got to buckle down a little bit this weekend against the Reds. They're still in a great spot. A little bit concerned about the notion that they would be able to come up with a charge against the NL East leader. The Mets did win, and so they are now five and a half games clear of the Cardinals in terms of that hunt for the number two seed in the National League playoffs picture. Listen, it's probably going to be the wild card series for the Cardinals. That's the reality. I don't think it's the end of the world. My co-host on the big show today, Andy Humphrey, actually made the case that wouldn't be so bad for the Cardinals to fail to overtake the uh, NL East leader and end up in that three seed because sometimes you get those wild card teams and they go on the run because they're hot, they're ready, they're feeling good after winning a series. You go into an NLDS against a team that's been idle for three days, you might actually have the advantage. I sort of disagree with that by saying as much as I recognize that that's true, I also would love the automatic bid into the NLDS without having to win that best two out of three series. But the Cardinals have been a very good team at home this season, even after tonight's loss, 48 wins to 26 losses on the season. The Dodgers, for reference, are 49 and 18 at home. So better winning percentage, but nobody else in the National League has a better winning percentage at home than the Cardinals by winning 48 games to 26 losses. So they are capable you get into Bush Stadium for a best two out of three. They may very well win the first two. Wainwright Michaelis would probably be on the mound for those. And so you feel like you're in a good spot there. It's just one of those games. I don't think the Cardinals are in any danger right now, but you do want to see the offense. I think that's the main thing. I want to see the offense tick up. I think the bullpen's been fine recently. You'll have your occasional hiccups. The starting rotation has had some hiccups. Jordan Montgomery in his last start wasn't great. Uh, Wainwright was battling with command, but still found a way to go five innings, one run on Wednesday. I I think everything is going to be fine with the rotation, but that's not the element of this team that's going to get the Cardinals to a World Series championship. Like, you're not going to win the title because you said, wow, the rotation had an ERA of 0.5 throughout the whole playoffs. It was crazy. No, you're going to need to see your MVP caliber players like Goldschmidt, like Arenado, get the job done offensively. You're going to need to see the guys ahead of them, whether it's Tommy Edmond, whether it's Brendan Donovan, whether it's Lars Newtbar, Dylan Carlson, if he comes back into the fold. You're going to need to see those guys set the table and have the big guns in the middle come through. 
Tyler O'Neill can be placed in that category of a guy that's going to bat fifth or sixth, whatever it is in the lineup, and he's got to have the power output in the playoffs for the Cardinals to get where they want to go. Albert Pujols is another person that that applies to, especially when they get into the playoffs against left-handed pitching. He's not just an old guy that they bring around and have a lot of fun because fans like him. He has contributed meaningfully to the team this year. OPS in the 860 range, that's something. That's significant. But it's going to have to be that that gets the Cardinals going. It's got to be the offense. They're not going to do it on solid to above average starting pitching in a good bullpen alone. Like, it's not going to get there. Remember 2020, Jack Flaherty threw his ass off in that final game of the wild card series in San Diego. Cardinals lost the game. Why? They didn't score. 2021, wild card game. Los Angeles Dodgers. Max Scherzer got the start. Adam Wainwright pretty much matched him blow for blow in that game. Didn't get too deep into the game, but the Cardinals' bullpen was good for a while there until you get into the bottom of the ninth, and we all remember what happened there. But that was another situation of, regardless of who's on the other side pitching, you didn't score in that game. So those are the ways the Cardinals have been eliminated from the playoffs. You can even go back to 2019 against the Nationals. Yes, they they got to the NLCS, and that was really cool to see. But, man, I was in Washington, D.C. for those games. I remember those games at Bush Stadium. Mostly it was just an absolutely flat offense throughout that series that eliminated the Cardinals in 2019. Offense has got to be the difference maker, and there's no other way for it to happen other than for the guys that you expect to do it to go ahead and do it. So right now, I'm not panicking that it's not happening on a regular basis in mid-September. It doesn't have to right now. They've built enough equity up that they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win this division. I really do believe that. That being said, you want to see signs that things are going to turn a little bit. And I think Goldschmidt has given some of those signs, again, on base three times on Wednesday, had the RBI double that that could have almost been two RBIs had BFD gotten there a little bit quicker on Thursday. So the signs are there. I think Arenado is having enough swings lately that you feel good about it. Would love to see Dylan Carlson get back in there because as much as he hasn't been a consistent offensive contributor, I think the Cardinals' upside is higher when he is in the lineup doing his thing. You might be able to say, all right, defensively you gain over what Corey Dickerson could bring in the lineup, and if Dickerson is not getting three hits every day the way that he has been for a while, I would make that swap. But you just have to hope that Carlson against right-handed pitching in particular can be as effective as Dickerson. And that may not be the case, but those are going to be the decisions you're going to have to make once Carlson gets back healthy. I'm just looking at this lineup and saying, you've got to be the difference maker. The pitching can be fine. You know, let's just say you win that wild card series. You're going to be the number three seed. You'll be playing maybe the Padres, maybe the Brewers, maybe the Phillies. Like any of those teams are realistically plausible for wild card spots five and six. And one of them are going to be left out in the cold and not make the playoffs at all because the loser of the NL East is going to get that top wild card spot and be the four seed. And you wouldn't have to worry about them until you get into the NLCS the way things are basically shaking out for the Cardinals to be the three. And then they would win that first wild card series and play the NL East winner the way things sit right now. Regardless of whether that's the Mets or the Braves in the NLDS, you're looking at a pitching staff that's going to be tough. Like you may end up getting Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom. That could be two guys that are healthy. Hopefully the Mets think so and they're ready to roll. The Braves have Max Freed. They've got Charlie Morton. They've got Spencer Strider. Like, they've got a number of guys that are going to be very difficult to get hits off of. They don't have Mike fulton anymore. Like, that was really cool when the Cardinals kicked his ass in the playoffs, but that's not going to be the case this time around. The Braves have a really dynamic rotation. 
you're going to have to have the offense rise above. That's going to be the only way the Cardinals get to where they want to go. Last night, Adam Wainwright said, listen, we're doing all these celebrations this year because we're breaking records. We're, we're, we're making history. It's awesome. And we like getting to toast champagne and celebrate that in the clubhouse the way they did on Wednesday night. But at the end of all of those celebrations, we consistently say, hey, keep in mind, this isn't the end. We are looking, this is a stepping stone. We are looking towards something greater. We've got that on the mind, and we want to be the last team standing. That's the way the Cardinals are looking at things. But bottom line, offensively is going to be the way that is either made or broken. You, It's not going to happen without the offense doing some significant things. And honestly, it's not impossible that they do it. Nolan Arenado has talked about, I want to win a division. I want to taste that champagne and feel that celebration. And then I want to play in the playoffs and do well. His career numbers on the playoffs have hasn't had many opportunities. But when he's been in there, he hasn't done much. He admitted that. He knows that. And it's something that he thinks about and it drives him. So I think a guy like Nolan Arenado is going to get into the playoffs and he's going to make stuff happen. Paul Goldschmidt, I have literally no doubt that Paul Goldschmidt is going to make stuff happen. But that being said... It's got to actually happen in practice. I can't just say it here on B-Shape Daily and have it be true. Those guys have to come true. And uh, there's going to be other guys that are in that lineup that are going to have to do the same. So we'll see. But for right now, it's just kind of that eye of the storm, right? Doesn't it feel like that? We're in that waiting period before things really get real for the St. Louis Cardinals. Seven and a half games up. I think they're going to be okay. But you'd love to bank a couple of wins against the Reds this weekend to just make sure that uh, there's nothing to worry about. Albert Pujols still sitting on 697. We'll see if anything happens this weekend. Perfect world for me. He knocks a couple of home runs between Friday and Saturday. I go to the game on Sunday, and uh, maybe I get a chance to see 700. Otherwise, it probably happens on the road. Like, I, I'm not putting it past Albert Pujols to get it done on the road. Uh, the good news is, though, he could go another two weeks without getting a single home run. He could bring in that final six games of the season against the Pittsburgh Pirates, three at Bush, three on the road. He's going to get them. I I stand by that he's going to get that 700. I just feel like it's it's destiny, fate made to happen. So would love to see him get one in the next week or so just to kind of keep the pace. But literally, he could do nothing for two weeks. And I bet those final six games against Pittsburgh, he's getting three. If he needs three, he's getting three. Albert Poole is going to retire at 700 on the nose. He's not going to get 701. It's going to be 700 exactly. You heard it here first. No, you didn't, because I was such a doubter a few months ago. But now I'm in. I'm in to the extent that you're not going to convince me otherwise. So we'll see what happens. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on Be Safe Daily. Peace.